Welcome to Let's Talk Luxury, the Mazars podcast series about how and why luxury brands are undergoing a business model makeover. In each episode, luxury experts discuss what's happening in the sector, from authenticity to circularity, new customer cohorts to retail experiences worth posting about. The luxury business model is changing, and in this series, we'll explore how to stay in vogue. So, let's talk luxury. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Pierre-Nicolas Herstel. Pierre-Nicolas is the CEO of Ariani, the leading NFT platform for the luxury and fashion industries, which uses blockchain technology to provide greater transparency, data privacy, and circularity. Pierre-Nicolas, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to, to be with you today. So to get started, can you tell us about the key issues that Ariani exists to solve? Yes, absolutely. We can look at two two of the main challenges we're trying to solve or the, the main added value we're bringing on the table. First, the validation of the notion of exclusivity, authenticity, and engagement. With uh, NFTs used as digital twins, um, you create a new way to help brands connect valuables to the networks via the NFTs representing the products. But you can use NFTs in a brand environment uh, with many different use cases. The ones you you hear a lot about, uh, the purely digital assets, but also as um, community elements, uh, proof of belonging, proof of participation. Um, All of this being new ways for brands to create a direct and perpetual link with their community. You, as a brand, you issue you design, you issue, you distribute NFTs. They represent products, allowing owners to have a better experience around uh, this ownership and to resell them easily, for example. Um, But they can be also purely digital assets or proof of participation. And all of this are going to create a park of digital assets, of a part of the brand value that is distributed in the hands of your clients and community, and that are going to build the foundations of a new CRM, which brings me to the second big challenge we're tackling, which is privacy. We we want brands and consumers uh, to own and control their data. We want brands to be able to interact, to provide a tailor-made service uh, with customers, but we don't want them to depend on uh, or to be intermediated by uh, big uh, uh, technology players. The the way it works today, when you're a brand, you want an interaction with someone, you need to have a follower. This follower is owned by Instagram. It's anonymous to you. You can't do anything if you're not uh, paying this middleman uh, platform. On another end, if you don't want to do that, you're going to want to gather first-party data, like emails. To do that, uh, you're going to give something to your customer or your prospect. You're going to try to have them give you this data about them. And then you're going to try to store this data and keep it protected, which is hard. Uh, you can have leaks and you risk a lot and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, what, what we're building with NFTs is a reverse CRM where instead of having data about people within your information system, you distribute digital value to your customers and this becomes the new link between you and them. You can now address them 
on their phones targeting the NFT they own without having to own data about them. So it's a pretty new way to think about CRM that is decentralized, that is private by design, but we believe that it is the future. You've talked a bit about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which have been hitting the headlines. They are entering the mainstream more and more. Could you tell us a bit more about why luxury customers, consumers, and the industry should be prioritizing blockchain and non-fungible tokens? Well, I think brands, first and foremost, should want all their products to be part of the internet. They, they should want themselves as brands to be part of the internet. Today, a brand is a corporation. It's in the real, digital, physical life. Their products are physical products. They are in your hands. They are in the physical world. They are all of this is analog. Uh, in a digital world, as a brand, you want to be natively digital. You want your product to be natively digital. Not because we're all going to wear only a digital 3D version of stuff and not get out of our houses anymore and just change that to show up on, on social media. No, because you can do so much more with something that is connected than something that is not connected. So when I buy something, I want this thing uh, to be interactive. I want to be able to do things with it. Uh, and when you think about luxury, I, I want this to be a store of value. I want this thing that I own not to make me lose money or spend money, but maybe invest money. If I buy something for 100 and I know I can resell it for 90 or 110 after six months or one year, it's not spending anymore. It's a very different way to organize my money and to gather value. Now, if I just have the physical version, it's going to be harder for me to prove to someone else that uh, this is a genuine product. It is going to be harder for me to show that how I've taken care of, how many times I've serviced it, maybe to show that I've insured it. Uh, you can now uh, easily do more with your product as an owner. And as a brand, uh, you can offer more services, more experiences, more value within the, the ownership experience. So that, for me, is really the number one thing. Then when you think about the digital version of something, it's also a great place to give more information about the product. How has it been manufactured? Where do uh, the elements and raw materials that have been used to create it, where do they come from? What has been its life cycle? Has it been repaired? What happened to it? So all this information, the story, the composition, the impact also of this element can be demonstrated, can be transferred or shown way easily on a purely digital vehicle than on a physical one. So these are really the main, the main elements. But now if you look at you know, this uh, vision that we have of an open and decentralized uh, CRM, brands, uh, they don't just have clients, they have communities. They, they are not just selling things, they are building cultures. So they have people that are following them, dreaming of them, buying them, buying them firsthand, buying them secondhand, receiving them as gifts. And the interaction with this community tomorrow is not going to be an email database. And it's not going to be 
a list of followers on a social media platform intermediated by someone. We believe that it is going to be a park of NFTs that have been distributed by the brand. And to make this really work, uh, you can't have just the angle of, oh, if you buy something to me, I'll give you an NFT. No, it has to be larger. If you visit a store, if you participate in an experience, uh, if you put your list on uh, your name on a on a list for drop, if you access a limited edition, uh, if you buy a piece of uh, a brand value, now you have an NFT. And as a brand, I now have a community owning digital pieces of myself, and this is my new CRM, and this is what is going to create this direct and perpetual link, and this is why we're called Ariane, this direct and perpetual link uh, between me and my community. To be part of Ariane's mission, brands and luxury houses have to collaborate with each other. That could be something of a culture shock for the sector, for certain brands. After all, not only are they used to competing against each other, but many could feel that secrecy and mystique and exclusivity are all part of their appeal. When and if you're trying to persuade the CEO of a fashion house to join Ariane, and they said, we don't want to start sharing market information, what is your response to that? Well, you don't have to share any uh, market information or any secret with anyone when, you, when you're part of Ariane. You have two ways to interact with Ariane. The first way is to join the non-profit association that is building the open source part of the technology. All the brands we work with are doing this, but you don't have to. You can also use the other way, which is just to use the technology platform, uh, be a client of us and buy the software as a service license and never come to any collaborative meeting. But we haven't seen anyone, even the most secret brands we, we work with, the one I can't even mention here, they're happy to come to the meetings and discuss with other brands. Obviously, you don't put everything on the table, but the notions of ownership, of building a technology that is owned by an industry, you know, for the very first time, we're saying, we're going to build something that's going to be yours. That's not going to be ours. At the end of the day, uh, the IANI open source technology will belong to the members of the IANI consortium. But if a brand really doesn't want to be part of this pre-competitive, collaborative part of the project, they can just be a client of the paid version and you know not talk to anyone. You recently partnered with Mazars on the Conscious Collaborative Connected Study. And in that, you say brands have to be smarter with their customer interactions and gather meaningful customer data. You've touched on it a little bit in the conversation already. Can you give us any examples of what you view as being maybe the most meaningful data? And are there any brands that you would highlight that are doing it well? So I think as a brand, I'm interested in the surface of contact that I have with a customer. I think it's more important to know that this person owns two items bought in the secondhand market and participated in one experience in New York on invitation and visited the opening of a store in Manila. That tells me a lot about this customer. He's international, he's really interested by the brand, but he needs an easier access that he gets on secondhand. And Catering to that customer is a new way to interpret what's happening, but it's probably more meaningful than knowing 
his or her age or you know like the it's a dress or maybe his his email so that that's that's one thing the second thing is when you combine leaks and data risks uh, regulations and behavioral changes there's no way you can imagine that tomorrow is going to be just gathering and processing data about people all uh, intermediaries whether it is google or facebook are making it more and more difficult for the brands to get any data about their customers so they they have like anonymized walls in front of them the players like apple are now offering anonymous uh, sign-on with the, the apple sign-on you can give an anonymous email and just connect to anything without telling who you are so all of this is going to create new behaviors new habits and you know a couple of years from now no one will share anything with anyone except with you know apple or you know like so if you're a brand you have to choose between being completely intermediated by these platforms forever having a huge cost uh, for uh, to comply with the regulation or exposing yourself to huge risks in terms of data security and my last question and sticking with that focus on the future can you share with us your vision of luxury fashion in a decade's time how will it be different and what are the big changes you see ahead so i think it will be completely circular in many many ways you know not not only will be extremely easy to resell something to buy something second hand but it will also be very easy to recycle and things that we will buy will be made of recycled parts so the circularity in a decade will be uh, completely achieved which means that um every player uh within the system will be uh, better connected to the ecosystem which will make the entire ecosystem safer seamless and entirely digital i think obviously blockchains whether it is for digital value nfts for ownership but also applied to the upstream will create transparency and uh, trust at every level of this ecosystem and as a result because it will be transparent and circular it will become more sustainable and more ethical we've heard uh, isabel massa on episode 1 talking about a demand driven industry answering the needs of millennials and gen z who are much more concerned obviously about climate change animal welfare and sustainability so all of this because things will be transparent connected and circular uh, will become more sustainable and ethical and then obviously the weight that will take uh, the uh, asian customers uh, with their different expectations their ability to purchase and find information wherever they are night and day there's no online or offline you know it's uh, yeah there's a customer there's a product uh, and there are many many ways to interact and and it, all of this has to be seamless and making brands and products actual parts of the digital life and components of the internet uh, is part of will what will make brands successful in this market thank you pierre nicola for your time and your insight into what happens next in luxury thank you thank you very much thanks for listening to this episode of let's talk luxury To find out more about changes in the luxury sector, search Mazars making over the luxury business model, or follow the link in the show notes. And to keep up with this series, 
Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or go to mazars.com.